Good morning. Hello to y'all, to those who are worshiping online and those who are joining us on the telephone. Uh, greetings, good morning, happy October 24. Is that what day it is today? Sure it is. This is uh, Doug Baker. For those that can't see me, uh, my name is Doug Baker. I'm one of the pastors here at Community. Um, I'm the guy uh, that you all sent off to Tucson last week. Uh, as you all started getting chillier and I don't think things started cooling off, I had, to, I had the, oh, the terrible burden of spending my days in 80 plus degree, all sunny weather, warm, dry, gorgeous. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you for uh, sending me out there. I know you are curious what's going on. And before we get into the message, before we dig into the, the Word of God today, I just wanted to give you a, just a brief snapshot, just a, a sense of what happened at General Synod um, as our entire denomination gathered and talked about the issues at hand. Um, I think... Uh, I think I can just sum it up in a couple of little things. Um, there was a lot of concern that this general synod would be highly emotional and highly contentious and that there would be fireworks, and there were not. Uh, everybody behaved themselves. Uh, we were cordial. We, we spoke what we believed. We spoke our minds. We talked about the issues at hand and the decisions that needed to be made, but we did it with respect to the people in the room. Um, now, there was also, uh, there are a lot of churches, if you're not aware of this, there are a lot of churches in our denomination that are debating about whether or not to leave. And many of them, including our church, were waiting for General Synod to meet and make decisions. And there was this hope that God would do a mighty work, God would move, and that the decisions made, the things that were discussed, the statements that were made at General Synod would be these statements that would assure us of where our denomination stands when it comes to some very important issues. Um, so that didn't really happen either. Um, from my personal perspective, it was rather disappointing. It felt like business as usual. So, what we're going to do with that is we're going to be talking about that. The elders are meeting on October 31, and we will begin discussions on how to respond. We'll process what happened, we'll really dig into it, and then we'll talk about what it means to respond to that. And then as time goes on, after the elders have had a chance to meet, uh, we will start inviting you as a congregation into those discussions as well. We'll give you an opportunity to, I don't know, to get your ears full, uh, hearing all the things that happen, all the discussions, that kind of stuff, and then give you a chance to ask questions. And, uh, and we'll start talking about uh, what it is that God has in mind for community um, as we look to the future. I have no idea what that is. I'm not trying to broadcast or hint at anything. Uh, I don't have the ability to make those decisions. The elders do, the consistory does, and we're going to let this play out in the appropriate paths and as necessary. So continue, continue to be praying for our church, continue to be praying for our denomination, be praying for all those churches that find themselves in a similar disappointed position and ask God to be faithful and help and walk with us through whatever it is he has in mind. Um, 
and know that he will. We don't have to worry about this. We don't have to be, we don't have to fret, right? That doesn't help anything. We can be calm. We can be assured. We know who's in control, and we know the one who gives us hope. And what we do here on Sunday mornings is we remind ourselves who gives us hope. We remind ourselves in whose power we stand, in whose name we gather. We do that every week as we pray, as we worship, as we hear truth from the Word of God. So let's, let's dig into God's Word and let Him care for us this morning. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get to our message. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for meeting us in moments when, when we are unsure. You are our certainty, you are our hope, and you speak your truth, and we are here to conform to you, uh, to be devoted to you, and to trust in you. We trust in you. And this morning, as we dig into Ephesians this morning, Heavenly Father, as we get to talk about our family matters, what it means to be your children as a, as a family in Christ, we're going to be talking about service today. Uh, open our ears, calm our hearts, and help us to capture what it is that you have to say. For your glory and the glory of the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. So um, I just hinted at what we're going to be talking about. We're talking about service. And when I use that word, service, uh, you have a lot of options of things that you can think of. Um, I say the word service, and maybe you think of someone coming to your table and saying, uh, so what would you like off of the menu? We call that table service. Uh, you might think of something that you do to your car to keep it running. Uh, I was doing stuff to my car yesterday. Uh, you might, uh, it's Sunday, so you might think of what we're doing right now as a worship service. Those are all good applications, good options for that word service. Um, but for our purposes today, uh, for our focus today, uh, I'm going to be asking you to think about, and we're going to be talking about service as that thing that you do in response to God calling you his own. What does it mean to serve the Lord? Now, to help us understand how to do that, we got to know who we are in Christ, right? And uh, God lays it out for us. We are told very clearly who we are in Christ. I, I love this passage. We're in Ephesians quite a bit in this, in this series. And so I love this, this moment in Ephesians 2 where we hear this about who we are. Uh, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is a great moment. Like, I love that scripture because it not only talks about who we are in Christ, but it also talks about how, what, that we're supposed to do stuff. We're supposed to respond to this identity with action. I love that. Now, as we talk about service today, I want to do two things, just two things. Uh, I first, I want to offer encouragement. I, I want this to be an encouraging moment. I want you to know who you are in Christ. And I want you to feel like built up. I can't control how you feel, but that's what I want for you. I want you to feel energized by your identity in Christ. And the second thing I want to do today is to challenge you. 
I want to challenge you. So, this passage, this isn't our main passage. We're actually going to be in Ephesians 4 later. Uh, but in this passage, we hear that we are God's handiwork. What is a handiwork? What is a handiwork? Uh, the word can also be translated workmanship. Um, it is, uh, all of that is off of the, the Greek word poema. Uh, you've maybe heard of this before, but what is a handiwork? And to help us like, catch a vision, just to visualize a little bit of what a handiwork is, I want to show a video clip that just blew my mind when I saw it. Uh, it demonstrates a, a human being uh, doing something amazing, uh, creating something amazing. So uh, will you roll that, roll that video? It's like watching magic. Uh, for those of you on the phone, and, or, or if you couldn't see that, what we were just watching was this a man with hands and clay. Like this clay is spinning on this little table. And with his hands, he formed the lid to a pot he had made earlier in the video. Um, and it's just watching the forming of this clay, just the, just the right amount of pressure, just the right little sense of what had to go where. And then it fit. It like fit on that pot like perfectly, like the first time, right? This just boggles my mind. I remember working with clay as a kid. I remember making my mom an ashtray. <laughs> I grew up in the 70s and 80s, so that was a thing. Um, and it didn't go like that. Um, I remember the first little animal that I made. Uh, I don't know what kind of an animal it was. It was, well, it was a blob, and it had four like little blobs on the bottom, and then it had a blob on the front with like triangle things on it, and then like a string on the back. Nobody knows what it was. 
but it was an animal. Um, handiwork doesn't always look like that, right? Human handiwork. Uh, and that's, I think, sometimes the thing that gets in the way of us understanding handiwork as God is describing it here. Because we think of the things that humans can do. And, and there, are, there are some spectacular examples, but on average... do all right. And when we, when we hear this word, this, this, we, we think of ourselves as God's handiwork, and we, and we kind of just, eh, you know, it, it's all right. We, we almost like we're selling God short because we're not talking about our handiwork here. We're talking about God's handiwork. I mean, if, if you can, imagine, if you can, what God is capable of in his unlimited perfection. More than we could ask or imagine. God's handiwork is active and living and multidimensional. And, and when God makes something, it comes to life and can do stuff for his kingdom. That's what God is capable of. I want to, I was, I was preparing for today and I was, you know, reading other authors and, uh, you know, theologians, uh, preachers on understanding this word handiwork. And I came across a, a quote from John Piper. If you don't know who John Piper is, he's a, a theologian, he's a pastor. Uh, I think he's based out of Minneapolis or St. Paul. And uh, when he was talking about God's handiwork, he said it this way, and his words are way more poetic than anything I could come up with, so I just, I wanted to share them with you. All right, so this is what John Piper said. Tiny, insignificant you are more glorious than the sun which shines in the sky or the constellation Orion. Because the sun cannot perceive its creator's power in its own blinding glory. Nor can Orion trace his designer's genius in the precision of his heavenly course. But you can. You are part of the infinitesimal fraction of created things that have been granted the incredible gift of being able to perceive the power and genius of God. Whew. It almost gives you goosebumps, right? That's you. God made that in you. You. God made you. You are his handiwork. In the hands of the ultimate potter, you are his clay. In his hands, you have been molded and, and shaped and defined by his guidance with just the right pinches and just the right pressure so that you fit exactly into his intentions for his creation. You are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Works that God had in mind before you ever took your first breath. I hope you find that encouraging. I think that's very encouraging. Do you know who you are in Christ Jesus? Do you know, know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are God's handiwork? Hmm. 
All right, now how about a different question? Is it all-consuming in your life to be a part of what God is doing? Uh, That's a pokier question. And it's an important one. Is it all-consuming in your life that you are a part of what God is doing? That's an important question because that is what God means when he calls us into service for his kingdom. To be all-consumed with his purposes and vision. This is our challenge today. This is what I want to challenge you in. And this gets us to our passage for today in Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to start at verse 11. Listen to what Paul has to say. Listen to how we are challenged by God's word in this identity. So, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. We are being built up so that we can grow up, so that we can be strong. That we can attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's a little intimidating. See, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Right here is the promise that there will be false teachings. Right here is the promise that people will have scheming and cunning ways of coming up with things that sound like truth but are not truth. And if we're not grown up enough in the faith, we will be swayed by those things. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Service is about growing up in Christ so that we can stand up against the devil's schemes, so that we can stand up against teachings that aren't true, growing up in Christ so that we can be the embodiment of what God wants for this world to see. Now, I'm not going to read all the rest of Ephesians, but you really should because after this passage, the whole rest of this letter is how to make sure that you are living into the potential that you have in Christ as well as you can. It is a challenge in here in Ephesians to give up the old ways of being that seemed to make so much sense before we gave our life to Christ. The old ways of thinking, the old ways of assuming what was right and wrong and and, and how the world worked, those things aren't true. And they don't serve us anymore. You know, things like, um, you know, you're free to bounce around from one popular thing to the next. Nothing should be asked of you that you don't want to do. You're kind of your own island, right? You're autonomous. As long as you don't hurt somebody else, you can just kind of do whatever you want. No one else depends on you. Nothing else depends on you except you. You do have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You do have to figure out the way to go. You do have to succeed. You do have to accomplish. You do have to fulfill, and you do have to win 
But you get to figure out what's important to you. Those old ways are liars. And they're, I mean, they're, these old non-masterpiece activities, they're, they're actually quite ugly. They don't help anyone and they don't do you any good. No, see, now you, you are meant for immeasurable good. You have been equipped by Christ himself to serve and to bless and to build up the body of Christ, to build up the presence of Christ in this world. That's that somehow through the work that God has ordained for you in his new identity, all of us here, all of us gathering under the name of Community Reformed Church, in fact, all of us gathering under the name of the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we are meant to realize the whole measure of the fullness of him. I don't really know what that means, but it sounds amazing, and I want it. You alone can never achieve that fullness. You alone cannot achieve the whole measure. We are limited in our solo condition. But I'll tell you what, folks, if you put a bunch of body parts together in just the right order, connected in just the right ways, you have created something that can walk and talk and leap and dance. There's something there then that can feed the hungry and clothe the naked. There's something there that can love what the rest of the world calls unlovable as each part, as each person does the part God made for us to do. We are all built up and made stronger and joined together. We are a whole body. Do you know what that means as we talk about the word service? It means that we are not our own. We are not our own. We don't just belong to ourselves. Service means that this life and the blessings God has given us, that God has given me, are not just for me. They're not just for me. Like it says in the Heidelberg Catechism, I don't, if you're unfamiliar with the Heidelberg Catechism, the Heidelberg Catechism is one of our uh, uh, standards of faith. It was a document written about 500 some odd years ago, um, and it takes what the Bible says and, and put it in, put it, puts it into kind of an accessible form that, 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 that almost feels easier to read and understand. It's done in question and answer format. Here's a question. Here's an answer. Here's a question. Here's an answer. And it begins, the Heidelberg Catechism begins with this. My only comfort in life and in death is that I am not my own, but I belong body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. We are not our own. That means that the things that I experience in this life are not my own. My house was not gifted to me just for me. It is a piece of my call to serve in this life for Christ. That means my kids, my marriage, my checkbook, my fill-in-the-blank. All of these are for Christ. 1 Corinthians 6 says this, You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And what it means by bodies is not just these bodies. It means that every physical thing that we have impact of, influence over, control of in this world belongs to Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that I have to give it all away. I don't have to live some ascetic life without anything except, you know, a camel hair coat and eating locusts. That doesn't mean that. 
doesn't mean that I'm not allowed to enjoy the things that God has given me, but I am supposed to hang on to everything that God has given me with an open hand. Everything in my hands is to be used for that which God has prepared in advance for me to do, and that is serving. That's what service is. A guy by the name of Christopher Wright, and now that I say his name, I realize that I didn't do any research on who that guy is. <laughs> I told you who John Piper is. And so there's a guy named Christopher Wright, and he has this great quote, and I found it, and I thought the, great, the quote was great. And so I want to share this quote. Uh, Jesus did not give a mission to his church. He formed his church for his mission. That's a, that's a good one. Notice the cause and effect in there, right? Notice the, the initiating act and then the responding act. The church wasn't created, and then we worked hard, and we got all these cool blessings, and then Jesus is like, okay, so now that you got all these blessings, what are we going to do? It's not how it works. No. The mission exists. The mission is that the world needs to see who God is. And it needs to see how he loves. And it needs to see how the, the, he offers life through Christ. And now how does that mission get fulfilled? And God's like, I've got a plan. I'm going to make the church. I'm going to make the body of Christ for the world to know me and to be called to repentance and to be given a chance to live the way I made them for. The mission's first the church exists for the mission. And the call to service is the call to put into action the gifts that God has given us in alignment with the opportunities to use them that he puts into our lives. And he always gives what's necessary to accomplish his goals. He, he will make sure of that. He is in charge of every resource. He is the perfect potter. You are perfectly created with gifts to fill in exactly where you're needed. You are talented. God provides through you. You have a part in the mission of God's people. 1 Peter 4 says this, Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You are God's handiwork which means that he has made you to be what is needed to cooperate with God so his plans come to fruition. Now, <clears throat> I want to be clear about something. What does it mean to cooperate with God in service? Um, and this part of my sermon kind of came about after General Synod because I think some of why this needs to be said is a direct result of some of the things that I heard from other people who really think they're doing good things. And I struggle with where they're focused. So here's what I want to say. Here's, I think, what God wants me to say. So God has a specific plan one for which he has specifically gifted you. And it's one plan. We all have different gifts, but there's actually only one plan. One. One thing that God is trying to accomplish. 
The plan that we all feed into that our gifts are used for is the exact same as every other person in this room. We're all working under the same guidance, under the same plan. We just have different parts to play in it. Your call to serve is your call to show the kingdom of God in this world. That's the plan. The world needs to see the kingdom of God. Jesus, first thing he said when he walked out uh, into his ministry was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. First thing he said. Portraying and demonstrating the kingdom of God is our goal. That is what we're supposed to be about. In your unique way, you are here to demonstrate what God's kingdom looks like the way he describes it in his word. Not the way other people think it's supposed to look, the way God says it looks. We're not here, and this is, this is the thing we're pushing against right now, right? We're not here to make this world into the kingdom of God. We're not. This world is not our home. We are strangers in a foreign land. We're not here to make the world into the place that people want to be. The world is not going to become the kingdom of God. The church is the embodiment of the kingdom of God in the world. The church, not the world, the church. We represent something completely different than the world, which is why people are drawn to the church because we're so different, because we offer what the world cannot. See, when we serve, what we're doing is service truly is. It is bringing God's kingdom into this world in the unique way God made us so that the people we come into contact with can be drawn to the glory of God, to his power, to his majesty, to his presence. Because what matters more than anything else is that people would see who God is in the world, not how the world can be better by doing things God's way. The world's not going to get better. It's not. The world is broken. It will continue to be broken. It will always be broken until Jesus Christ comes again. Period. We're not here to fix the world. It is a tempting teaching that you will hear but it's wrong. We're here to serve, and serving is to take our gifts and to use them in unique ways that we've been gifted. We're supposed to live like the kingdom of God is where we're from, like that's our real home, so that when people are drawn to God's kingdom and away from the world, they are set free. That's service. To draw like moths to a flame people, those who are trapped by the world around them, to set them free from all that has bound them so that they can be a part of the church, so that they can join the body of Christ, so they can be captured by the gospel and become members of the kingdom of God, which is the only place where they can be free, the only way that they can truly have an abundant life. Last question. 
And we'll leave you with this. Are you using your gifts to cooperate with God in that service? Let's pray. Father God, sometimes, sometimes when, uh, when the only thing we really can see in this world is the things that are around us, it's hard to remember that there are bigger things happening, that, the, that, that you are moving and, and there's things hidden, that are happening in hidden ways and hidden places, things unseen, which are just as real as the things that are seen. And there's so much... I mean, God, I don't, I don't fault people for wanting to make the world a better place. I don't. They've got such compassion for those that are hurting. They want to lift people up out of the bondage that they're experiencing. But the answer is not uh, an unbroken world. That's not possible. We can't do that. We can't be that Savior. We can't restore this creation. You have a plan to do that in just the right time, and until then, it's gonna be a broken place, and redemption in Jesus Christ is still offered. Your body, Lord Jesus, is here in your church. Help us to see clearly who we are and what we have to offer so that we can actually offer real hope so we can plug people into you, so we can give them what they truly need, which is a life in Jesus Christ, a life in your kingdom. So you will have the glory, so you will receive the praise. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.